Welcome in to 2 for 1 Drafts. Austin Gale here with my guy, Mike Renner, the Wednesday edition. Only doing once a week. We're going to kick it up to two per week, though, here soon. Probably not next week, maybe the week after, in starting in August. But super so excited today. We're going to need football. So we're yeah. Need some, you know, it's like we're only doing one a week because we need something to talk about. We're going to need some more to talk about. Let's uh, kick it up to two a week here. I don't, I don't think any college football is being played in August. However, there is going to be – I mean, it's still, there's still storylines to follow with. You know, teams – you know, conferences are going to be making decisions on whether or not they're going to play in the fall by the end of this month. That's what the ACC has said. That's what the Big 12 has said. Big 10 and the Pac-12 have already said they're not playing in-conference games. Like, I, I think you could see by August how many teams are going to move to the spring or if any are, um, so forth. This last week really sucked. Like, I – I kind of ignored the whole conversation of what's going to happen all summer. I didn't, I didn't want to hear it. Like I just like, it was so far out that I didn't want to even think about it. And this past week is when it finally got real where I'm like, this is actually going to affect this season. And it's unfortunate, but I just need some games though. I think, I think, I think we will see some games in the fall though. I, I do think there's a chance that if you see enough bigger conferences, say the big 10, the PAC 12 made another conference push, for the spring, I think you can see all of college football oh, push for the spring to just keep the things on schedule so that way you can kind of approach the 2021 season with some sense of normalcy. It's definitely going to be interesting to follow over the next few weeks. I think we'll know <laughs> – excuse me. I don't think we'll know anything for sure in a while, but I think we'll know a pretty good idea of how they're going to approach the fall season by the end of this month or early August, so we'll see there. To get to more positive things, we are continuing – it's the last edition of our – position overview series of safeties and for this one we got a bunch of names to go over our Darius Washington and Traven Morig of TCU we're also going to talk some others as well LeCount of Georgia James Wiggins of Cincinnati who Mike is not super high on but I, I did like James Wiggins tape anyway in addition to that if you stay on towards the back end of the podcast we also interviewed Kansas City Chiefs reigning Super Bowl champion Tyron Matthew Mike I felt like Tyron was great. I thought he was going to spend half the interview making fun of you for not calling him elite, but like he was a fun loving guy, super excited to be on the chiefs, super excited, his super versatile role, big coach Spagnuolo fan, Spags fan. I, I thought very, very good interview. And I also thought he's a super nice guy. Oh man. Like you can tell the leadership qualities, like right off the bat, like just yes. talking to him, even for 15 minutes, like I was ready to put on some pads and go, you know, line up for the chiefs. Like he just like has that personality that people gravitate towards. And that's why he's, I mean, that's why everywhere he's gone, like pretty much they've had good defenses and that's why he turned around the chiefs pretty much single-handedly. Uh, yeah, he had some really good insight. That was one of my favorite. He's probably my favorite interview actually we did uh, all off season. Absolutely. I mean, to tease it a little bit more, we talked about how much you love, you know, big fan of Juan Thornhill has high expectations for the second year safety in year two. Also talked about some of the toughest matchups in his career, highlighted Will Fuller, Larry Fitzgerald early when he was drafted by the Arizona Cardinals. And Will Fuller this past year gave him some fits in the slot. But also what I found a lot very interesting was his response to the COVID situation. He said it's going to be very important for team leaders and coaches and administrators to keep distractions from entering the locker room, keep distractions from affecting on-field play, because it's going to be the team, he said, the team with the least distractions that's going to be able to actually have some significant success in 2020, because COVID is going to be pressing on these guys and forcing things to make it difficult to play football, honestly. Yeah, and that's something that I hadn't even, I guess I hadn't thought about it too in-depth. Like, you keep thinking about, like, the actual physical side of it, like physical health, but, like, there is that mental health aspect of all this 
all the stuff happening in the world is weighing on a lot of people and like myself included. So uh, I, I do think that, especially if you're an NFL football player, being able to stay focused on the task at hand is going to be more difficult now than it probably has been in any other season of your career. Yep. All right. Well, let's go ahead and jump into this safety breakdown here, and then we'll go to the Tyron Matthew interview at the end of this. But to start, let's go with our Darius Washington of TCU. Is he PFF safety one right now, Mike? Yes. That's wild to me. I like Darius Washington, and obviously you immediately try and make some of these comparisons to Trayvon Moore, who also graded really well this past year playing safety at TCU. But a lot of people – a lot of people, you know, will jump at Trayvon Morgan, the bigger player, as maybe the better safety at TCU. Or Darius Washington, you come away way more impressed with his instincts, his break on the ball, his burst. I think despite the smaller size, obviously the better safety at TCU. I was just, I thought you were going to say the comparisons to the guy we interviewed. This guy is oh. Tyron Matthew 2.0, maybe like <laughs> one point. This guy, like the comparisons – right themselves, just the, his ability to play football and do pretty much anything you want him to do on a football field and process speed, uh, react quickly, his instinct, just all the stuff that goes into being a good football player, like he does at an elite level, an elite tackler, like he's 5'8", 175, and the guy only missed three tackles all last season. Just everything about the game, he does well. And it's like watching his game – tape watching you know the all 22 of them it's just like he's seeing the game in slow motion the way he's reacting to things that as they happen in the moment he is breaking on balls like it it is incredible to watch we use the fun to watch sort of label Uh, we toss that around a lot jokingly but his tape was the most fun tape to watch of any safety I've seen in recent memory because just of the way he plays the game of football and it's like I said very similar to Tyron Matthew which is like some of the play like a play, a one play a game he makes that you're just like, I'm not sure another safety in the in college football makes this play. Like just the way with how quickly he reacted, he just does things that other guys can't. Now he's not the best athlete. He might not run. Uh, he might not break four six in the forty. Uh, but he's super quick, super agile. And I, all I know is I want this guy in my football team. I was gonna say I don't think the long speed is there, but he does have burst. He does have quickness. Yeah. Like I mean, when he's getting in and out of his breaks, he moves with good speed. And I think some of that change of direction is there for him too. I mean, if he didn't have good change of direction, there's some of those plays he wouldn't make. But again, it's the instincts that pop out. You know, and he's obviously a smaller safety, but when you see those instincts playing out, I mean, it's it's again incredible to watch. Earned a 92.1 PFF coverage grade this past year, and he did so playing everywhere for this TCU defense. Played over 200 snaps at uh, box safety, 100 snaps at slot corner and over 100 snaps at free safety. did everything for them and never looked out of place. I, I feel like Ardarius Washington, again, versatile guy. The Tyron Matthew comparison, maybe it does right himself. So I, do, I do think Tyron Matthew is a better athlete. However, yeah. I think Ardarius Washington still safety one right now while others may be putting uh, some other names up there. All right, let's jump to – I actually I, – I think this guy could – you know, make make moves for safety one. I really like Javon Holland, the Oregon safety, and I had more Tyron Matthew feels for him than I did for Darian Washington, knowing he plays a lot in that Oregon secondary. He's also very aggressive, another good tackler, a guy that's very instinctive as well. I feel like there are a lot of similarities between Ardarius Washington and Javon Holland. So I think a lot of people are going to have Holland, Oregon safety, and he played more slot cornerback this past year, actually, yep. uh, as probably their safety one because he's really never played bad football. A true junior. Uh, Ardarius Washington really only one year he didn't play much as a true freshman there for TCU he's a redshirt sophomore Javon Holland a true junior uh, and in two years he has 20 combined 
pass breakups and picks, been consistently around the football. And, and even one of the biggest things I took away from his tape was even though, uh, you know, even with those 20 combined pass breakups and picks, there were probably like a half dozen plays at least where he was at the catch point this past season that still got caught where it's, and he, and he plays the catch point correctly. A lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of times if you give up a ball, uh, it, at the catch point, you allow a catch. It's more about process over results. If a guy's attacking the catch point correctly, uh, not you know mo- that's usually going to lead to more pass breakups than it is going to lead to guys uh, catching the football over you. It's when the guy doesn't play the catch point right, the Eli Apples of the world, where it's just like he's not attacking the ball, even though he might be there. That's when it's worrisome. That's not the case with Holland at all, uh, as we said with his you know big pass break of an interception numbers. He is consistently around. He's the always around the ball. Very instinctive player, six foot one, 200 pounds long, like a very versatile NFL type of body type for safety. I just think he's not super physical. It's not going to be your box safety. That's probably the least valuable part of being a safety though. It's the coverage aspect that I want to see. Javon Holland has that. Yeah. I mean, play him in the slot. I, I think he has a, yeah. a lot of success in the slot, played over 500 snaps at slot cornerback this past year and had a ton of, ton of success. You speak to the pass breakups, the interceptions, et cetera, a former four-star recruit. And maybe this is why I like him. Oakland native went to Bishop O'Dowd, which is a private yeah. school in Oakland that is like practically a feeder program. Like they recruit kids to that high school to play football at Bishop O'Dowd. I know that from playing in Oakland, California high school football, but John Holland, I really like the, the prospects of him playing slot cornerback at the next level. I like him and Diamador Lenoir. We're talking about potentially two top 50 picks playing at Oregon in the secondary. What does – let's talk about these two safeties a bit. I want to ask you a question here. What do both of these guys have to do to cement their status as the top two safeties in the draft? So this is a very good safety class. Uh, I, I could see there are a few other names on the list even launching themselves into the safety one conversation as well. Uh, Ardeers Washington, he just needs to do it again. If he does it, if he has the same year, if he repeats the sort of ball production he had last year, proves that, hey, it's not a fluke, uh, and that, yes, maybe I'm not the best, most athletic, the fit the size profile you necessarily want a safety, I'm going to make more plays than anyone else just because of the way I play the game of football. I, I think he could be the first safety off the board. Javon Holland, I don't think he needs to do too much. Like, he's had two very good years as a freshman, sophomore at Oregon. Has he has pretty good size. I mean, six foot one, 195 pounds. So you said Tyron Matthew. He reminds me more of like a Malcolm Jenkins in what he brings to the table. Uh, I, I don't think he's super athletic. There are going to be guys we're going to touch on this list that I think are, have more imposing athletic profiles than Javon Holland and obviously our Darius Washington. But I think he's more than athletic enough. Uh, and with his size, uh, I think he's going to be a lot of people's. He doesn't need to do too much more to be the first safety off the board, Holland. All right. I think I'm sticking with Holland, man. I really do like Javon Holland. Let's jump to one of your guys in this class, Andre Cisco of Syracuse. I got to be honest, man. You're you're texting me about this guy, and I, I watched his 2018 tape where, when he's play, wearing number 19. I watched the 2019 tape where he's wearing seven. I felt like there are those splash plays. He lays the boom, a very physical guy. When, oh, he play, when he's playing the ball in front of him, the dude decletes kids. And some of those plays are clip-worthy, highlight-worthy. But then there's also some times, specifically playing the slot, off coverage in the slot, verticals. I saw him got beat a couple times. Some inconsistency in his mm-hmm. game in 2018 and 2019. I think if he puts it all together, play over play, consistency, doesn't give up some of these big plays. I think some, not necessarily – physical misses but like mental misses I think you get on board with Andre Cisco but the inconsistency was what concerned me a little bit that's the thing it, it is he 
is the roller coaster at safety position. Yes, <laughs> that's a good one. Two years. So he's a true junior rising here. Two years of starting at Syracuse. He has 25 combined picks and pass breakups. It's the most in college football at safety position over the last two years. Like he has been around the ball. He makes a ton of plays. He has, for my money, probably the most range of any safety in this class. Like the guy can fly, uh, probably at least a low 4-4 four, four kind of guy. But I wrote in all caps in my notes, uh, loose. Like he just plays a loose brand of football, whether it's, you know, as a tackler, whether it's his angles on the back end, attacking footballs. Uh, he, there's just, he can't reel this guy in. If he can get reeled in a little bit, uh, I think he could be in that conversation for safety one. Uh, similar to the way, you know, Darnell Savage ended up coming off the board as safety one in his draft class. He has a very similar sort of skill set where it's just like, if you can rein in that that playmaking ability and that raw athleticism, you got a player. Cause he's six foot two Oh six, like ideal safety size, ideal yeah. speed, athleticism, all that stuff. And the plays are there on tape, but the looseness, the sort of like, uh, just all over the place. Uh, Dude, it's a roller coaster. It's roller is, coaster season. It's a roller coaster. <laughs> exactly. And so, uh, he's not gonna be for everybody. Some, some people are going to see that tape at safety and be like, I don't want that in a million years. But, he's not safe. He's not, exactly. he's not, he has yet to show that he's a safe safety. He's a risk taker, a playmaker, a guy that, you know, there's that play where he's, uh, there's like a crosser in front of him and he comes off around a little bit deeper and just absolutely ruins the guy pass yeah. breakup or whatever it was like those plays don't get made by made by safe safeties though. Like you need an aggressive playmaking safety if you want those, you know, high end pass breakups and interceptions. However, he needs to you needs to be reeled in a bit. Do you really think though he has the same level of athleticism as Darnell Savage? I don't know if I saw that. I don't level so of Savage was like four three seven, but then Savage was also like one ninety five. Like Savage was yeah. ten pounds lighter. Like he's a little bigger dude, but I, I still do think he's a four four type of safety who can gotcha. you know bring it up to speed in a hurry. All right, jumping to I, – I have mixed feelings about him because there's some plays where you, you want to get really on board with how big he is and, and playing him in the box, and he can be very versatile. But there are other plays, too, where maybe he doesn't – he's too stiff, in my opinion, to make some of the plays from side to side. Hamsa Nasrul-Dean, the Florida State safety. If you're going to watch one play, if you're going to one-play scout, there's this pick against Alabama State in Week 12 where he, like t- – like, absolutely ruins every Alabama state offensive tackle. I think one guy misses a tackle twice running that thing back. So, I mean, you see it against that poor competition this past year earned an 81.6 PFF coverage grade, two interceptions, one passes defense. Where are you with Hamza Nasrul Dean? Again, I find myself having mixed feelings. So he's six, four two twenty. Like the guy is a horse of a safety. And I wrote in my notes here, he's reminds me of the Dylan Moses of safety prospects where it's just like the, never seems like on the field his performance is as much as the sum of his physical tools like the physical tools are so great and like he's had he plays with great balance like there's not a lot of like necessarily knocks in his game but it's just why isn't he making more plays like why, why mm-hmm. is he not taking over games That's why, a good am take. I not, why am i not seeing him more uh and he's capable of doing a ton of things like back uh two years ago i think 2018 they had him playing press coverage on T Higgins at the goal line. Like they had him split wide. This guy can do a lot of different things and he's going to be coveted for just that athleticism at that size. And I think he ends up probably at like a linebacker that can uh, do a lot of different things at the linebacker position in terms of, you know, kicking out to the slot, more of a modern linebacker. I don't think he ends up at safety just because you don't want this guy deep. Usually you want him more around the ball, but I think that's why he came back this year, even 
with all the hype surrounding him and probably could have been a day two guy if he, if he went out just because he hasn't made those plays in the football. He hasn't been a consistent playmaker in FSU's defense. I just need to see more of that from him, but it's hard to argue with what he can do from a physical perspective at six four two twenty. Rounding out the top five safeties here, uh, T- the other TCU safety, Trayvon Morig, or ended up ranking inside the top three in PFF grade and PFF coverage grade. I felt that constantly comparing him to the other TCU safety and not seeing the same level of instincts, not seeing the same oh, level yeah, yeah. of playmaking ability. Like you don't, you don't see him make the plays, even though he's bigger, you know, six foot two, two ten, something along those lines. Mm-hmm. You don't see him make the same plays as our Darius Washington, despite maybe having better tools. Yeah, so he's more of prototypical physical tools. Like I think he's probably faster than our Darius Washington. He is 6'2", 208. Trayvon Morig is a true junior. Like when they were both freshmen, Morig was playing, and our Darius Washington was not. You know, he was he he started as a freshman. Uh, our Darius Washington did. So he's even the TCU staff thought you know at one point he was the better safety. I. I don't see that. Like, I, I don't think he is, but I will say having watched this tape a second time, I, I came away more impressed having not watched our Darius Washington's first. Cause again, you watch our Darius Washington's first and then watch his and you're, and you're saying yourself, this is not, isn't our Darius Washington. He's not moving at that level. He's not reacting at that level. He's just not being able to split the feel for the game is not quite there. But what he does have is his ability to get around the catch point is, night and day from our Darius Washington. Like he made a ton of pass breakups this past year. I want to say 12 pass breakups because he can on a tight ends, you know, on a hitch route, if he's behind him, he can get all the way to the catch point. Cause he's six two. He's long. He has those ideal NFL traits that people covet because that's a lot of plays in the NFL is yep. can you get around and affect the catch point? Uh, when a guy is, you know, n- not necessarily open, but those guys have those tight ends in the NFL are six six with ridiculously good ball skills, and they haul in those passes uh, more often than not. So, Mori can make plays in the ball like that. Ardarius Washington can't. So, I think that's the biggest thing that I came away with. And and he is a physical player. Also, he's six foot two, two oh eight, and plays like it. He had two forced fumbles this past season just from just from hits. Like he didn't put a hand on the ball at all. He just rocked a guy so hard. One against ISU one of the best form tackles I've ever seen where he just puts his head right in the guy's stomach, running back stomach, picks him up and drops him on the ground. He has that ability that I think might even get him coveted more so than our Darius Washington by the NFL. And I wouldn't be surprised if he gets drafted higher and even works his way into the top safety conversation. If we see him uh, play again like that this next year. I mean, those traits are, gonna, are what's going to push him up there. I mean, yeah. he has the traits. I mean, 12 passes defense this past year allowed just a 57.8 PFF pass. I mean, not PFF, NFL pass rating when targeted, 91.9 PFF coverage grade. I think if he builds on that too, though, you can get more and more on board with him having enough ability, instinctual ability, and all of the tools in the world to be a very dominant safety at the next level. I mean, the physicality is something you can't teach. The aggressiveness is something you can't teach. And when you do have those things, in addition to some of the tools that you cover in the NFL, you can't rule them out of the top safety conversation. And the one thing I like about TCU scheme, so they play a ton of quarters, uh, mm-hmm. a ton of like, quarters concepts, then is it asks you to do a lot of, when you're playing cover four safety, which uh, – you can hear Tyre Matthew touch on later. It asks you to do a lot of different things. You you have to play the run. You have to play deep, uh, a lot of uh, the deep route tree, and you got to do a lot of different things as a cover four safety. Whereas if you're seeing guys just play slot, just play box, a lot of times you're not seeing them, you know, having to run deep, having to you know take angles of attack at a football, and so you get to kind of see a full skill set 
uh, with those TCU safeties. All right. Did you watch any while you're, I, I mean, I was watching, we watched a lot of Gladney this past year, Trayvon Moore, or Darius Washington. Did you get, did your eye get caught with number two over there? The outside corner, uh, Keon Stewart, five foot 11, no. 160. No. Dude is tiny, absolutely tiny, but he's a dog. I, I, I found myself watching him a little bit on the place too, playing outside corner against some big ass dudes. I you thought better be at one sixty. Dude, he was tiny, absolutely tiny. I encourage you to go back and you speak to the course coverage. I feel like those two safeties. Yeah, you're given more opportunities, in the middle field to make plays. I think you see that with those two safeties as well. All right, let's jump here to. I, I wrote my notes over and over again. Savvy, instinctive. Just these, this guy, like, got it. I felt the, I felt like he understood the game very well. Paris Ford of mm-hmm. Pittsburgh. I wasn't super impressed with some of the plays he was making deep down the field, but playing things in front of him, I thought, was very, very good. The Virginia game stands out because of that. He's an, I think he's an aggressive player. He's a, he's a, he taunts a lot. I think his, he's a um, very – savvy is, again, that word that comes to mind. I mean, I think he plays, plays the mental aspect of it, too. Paris Ford, what was your opinion of him? I wrote borderline reckless. And that, I, I, again, I trend towards these guys who have, yeah, that, yeah. have that where they're just, they see a kill shot, they go for it. They see yes. something, they attack. <laughs> he has that to his game. And I think I agree with you in terms of he might end up being best suited as like a slot cornerback because he's six foot 190. But again, you think six foot 190 deep safety. You're not going to play that guy around the ball. But his angles as a deep safety and his ability to, uh, you know, undercut routes and things like that and get over the top was just not as good as I would have liked. Like he wasn't making plays deep. His best plays seemed like underneath attacking on balls in that, in that area, even tackling underneath where again, he was a little reckless, had a missed tackle problem, doesn't wrap up really goes for the kill shot more so than uh, form tackles. So he was kind of just an, another up and down type of player, but I don't think his physical tools are near the guy we said earlier, Andre Cisco. He's, you know, smaller side for a safety at, at six foot 190 I didn't think he was particularly fast uh and, and I just I think there's a lot to his game that just needs to be cleaned up some of that recklessness needs to be reeled in before I'm going to get on board with him but here's the thing who has some of that uncoachable unteachable just way he sees the game I mean, here's the thing. Reckless safeties, those guys that like Cisco and Paris Four, where they're making plays, it's easy to fall in love with them. But if you watch every play and you see the inconsistency and you see some of the plays yeah. he gives up, that like it's in every play position. Like the highlight reel plays at safety are great, but the, the low light reel is touchdowns. They're freaking touchdowns. That's how bad they are. It's not like a pass rusher. Like a low light reel for a pass rusher is you get blocked and there still could be a negative play for the offense. Low light reel for the safeties it's like you're giving up monster plays on the back end. Yeah, there's one against Virginia Tech. He, he legitimately missed two tackles on the same play and gave up a touchdown. <laughs> there's, a, there's a play early in the game where he goes for the kill shot and bounces off the guy. I don't know if you saw that one. Yeah. Also, just, the, the KJ that's, Hamler that's the, play. That's the thing. It's like when you're 190 and that's your style of play, it's going to get worse at the NFL level. Like when you're yeah. 206 and you're attacking and maybe you have a missed tackle problem, that's – you're not as worried about that, but when you're 190, you're only going to bounce off guys more at the NFL mm-hmm. level. You don't have that power behind you that it's going to just all of a sudden turn around. Yep, I would agree. All right, let's jump here to my guy. I, I, I hate to call him my guy now. I know that you hate him, but James Wiggins of Cincinnati is a dude. Former three-star recruit from South Dade in Miami, had offers from Purdue, Louisville, 
Miami, Florida, ends up going to Cincinnati, plays majority of slot corner in 2018, and had three, three or four walk-off interceptions, like a pick six to win the game in OT, a pick to ice the game in the fourth quarter. This dude was a gamer. Watch the game against SMU. There's a time, I talked to him after the game where he's, he's against James Prochet. James Prochet's lined up in the slot. And I said, dude, I know, I know they're going to Prochet. I, I, I saw his splits. I, I, I assumed a crossing route. As soon as I saw him jump, he picks him off an OT. Pick six, W. This guy's instinctive. And I, you, you sent me a play or two about him getting beat a little bit over the top. I don't think he's a special athlete. He also is a guy that's added a ton of weight since coming out of high school. He's only 5'11", 180 pounds, but has added a ton of beef to his frame and a little bit stiffer because of that. However, slot corner type, I'm in love. Like playing the box and playing the slot corner, keeping things in front of him, instinctive dude, physical, you know, very good frame on him. It's a rocked up frame, like a running back almost. I, I'm not I'm not giving up on James Wiggins. He missed – oh, I didn't even mention this, but he missed all the 2019 season due to injury. That's why we don't have any 2019 tape on the kid. Okay. I, I will say there are some wild – there's some plays on this tape that are awesome, like some yeah. hits – Big yes. ass hits, some <laughs> breaks on underneath balls that are ridiculous. But outside of outside of him, like hit some kill shots in the flat, and then jump in some sticks and some out routes. That's like that. That's it. Like that. That's yeah. that's James Wiggins for you. And again, the the box aspect of playing safety to me is the least valuable aspect, unless you can actually be a linebacker, unless you can actually take on blocks. And to me, his physicality only reached through hit power, hitting hitting wide hitting running backs wide receivers in front of him when he had to take on blocks when he had to do other things like that he was not nearly as impressive physically I, I don't think he's a good athlete by any means uh, and that showed on any sort of deep route when he had to yes. go vertical against him in the slot it was legitimately a disaster to watch it, like just like, <laughs> it was ugly and so that's why I'm I can get on board with him in the box but again that's legitimately the least valuable aspect of me, man. I, I, you're just, you I are, hate myself. I catch myself a, again, time and time again, I catch myself as a just follow, box safety anymore. Following these guys, following in love with these guys that can play the box, play the slot, things, you know, routes in front of them, the outs and the sticks in front of them and thrive. Big hits, big passes, defense. You can't be on board with a guy until you turn on the verticals tape. You can't, if you, you have to watch how he approaches the game when he's targeted down the football field. And if he can't stick with him speed wise, can't find the football, those are massive concerns. Yeah. Those are the valuable routes you have to defend. I don't care if you're breaking up every slant in front of you, you can't get toasted on the slot slot verticals and those things. Oh, that's the thing. So like you see Javon Holland break up passes on like a 15, like a deep out from the slot. You'll see yes. him break those up. That's, that's what you want to see because that means that he's not just and, and then he, and then he'll break up pass in front of him too. That means he's not just sitting on those underneath routes because in college we've talked about this a bunch. You can sit on any underneath route, be willing to break on it, knowing that as soon as that guy goes vertical, you can just hammer him, and then that'll get that'll buy you some time to flip your hips and go run with the guy. You can't do that in the pros. Like that is completely different. That's a, that's a technique that doesn't exist in the NFL because of the way the rules are. So to see when guys play it like that from the slot or from like a quarter safety, all of a sudden those breaks on those underneath routes become far less valuable, far less translatable, far less impressive because it's just something you're not going to be able to do. Your eyes aren't going to be able to look like that once you get to the NFL. 
All right, let's jump to Caden Stearns. Dude, this guy's recruiting background is absurd. The number one recruit in Texas in his class in 2018, the number one safety recruit, 19 nationally, 497th all-time former five-star, had offers across the board here, Six foot two hundred five coming out. Now at Texas, though, it hasn't graded super well. This past year played over 100 snaps in the box and another 100, over 100 snaps at free safety, mostly free safety this past year, just a 65.0 overall grade for Caden Stearns. Is this guy tools, 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 but no bite yet? I mean, that's where I kind of came with him. Yeah. So he, he, in terms of just pure size, speed, athleticism, length, the best in this class. Like he has the total package in that regard. If you gave him our Darius Washington. He's also got the helmet too. People love falling in love with Texas defensive backs, <laughs> man. They just keep doing it. Yeah. They keep doing it. DBO. But if, if he had our Darius Washington sort of instincts in the way he plays the game, this guy would be, uh, I mean, he'd be Duran James. Like that, that's how physically gifted this guy is. You just don't see the processing. You just don't see the feel for the game, though. There's one play that, like, stuck out in my mind, like a sore thumb, where he's, it's a, he's in the red zone. Uh, he's kind of like a cover two safety to one side. And the tight end, so was, there's a, a wide receiver. There's one on his side, a wide receiver, and a tight end, and then a running back in the backfield. Tight end stays in a blocks on a play action. Play action of the running back. Running back stays in a blocks. So he has one guy to worry about on his side. And instead of realizing that and then going and jumping to that one guy as the safety in the red zone, he just sits there staring at both the quarterback and the wide receiver until the quarterback hits the wide receiver right on the sideline. And then he breaks on the ball. It's like, no, you should have realized that you had no other responsibility on that play at that point that you should have gone and get the only guy that you have to worry about. Can't be hesitant. Exactly. Like all your other guys, that you could have worried about in your progression are gone. And he's just still there lost in thought. Dude, it should plays have like running that. back. <laughs> <laughs> it's plays like that where you're just like, you need, it needs to get faster. That, that connection needs to be made. But again, that can improve. There, there's like, that's the thing that I think can improve to a degree. You're never going to play like some of these guys, like you're never going to play like Tyron Matthew, but you can get that up to a degree where that physical tools that he has in terms of, uh, you, you know, can't really improve can those coverage. <laughs> you can't really improve those. Exactly. I mean, that's so. why, I mean, that's why the NFL had Mitchell Schwartz outside the top tackles, you know, like the traits, exactly. man, they just all, all in on the traits and Caden Stearns has those here. All right. Three more safeties before we jump to the Tyron Matthew interview. Let's start with a lot of people on Twitter are talking about loving this guy, but I know you're not a big fan. Richard LeCount or LeCount, of Georgia are, are, are is the hype too much right now what was your opinion of him I can't believe there's hype I'll be honest watching this tape <laughs> it's just so nondescript like I had to watch more of him than anyone else to even get like a good feel of him and, and that's how I felt about J.R. Reed last year the other Georgia safety where it's just like average athlete for the position not good size 5'11 190 uh, he doesn't get himself in bad situations, but he's also not making a lot of plays on the football or making plays going above and beyond the call of duty. I mean, I know he was a former highly recruited guy. I think he was a top 50 guy in their recruiting class way back when. But again, another reason, the reason why he didn't, there's a reason why he didn't come out last year as a true junior. Probably was, he wasn't that, you know, wasn't going to get drafted highly. I just don't think he's does anything spectacular. Uh, again, he probably, he probably will be a safer safety than, some of the other guys we've talked about above them on this list, but I just don't see, I don't see anything special that would get me to draft them in the first two days. All right, let's wrap here. Last two guys. I liked the USC Talanoa Hufanga, the safety there, a bigger guy. I, 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 maybe it's just because I like, 
I like the Talano Hufanga and the linebacker they had with the last name I also can't pronounce. Both guys that like playing the run and playing things in front of them, I, I felt very good about. However, yes. maybe not the athletes be playing things deep. And just again, Austin, I can't fucking fall in love with these guys <laughs> that are good at playing things in front of them. Like I like those splash plays, but like it's just not going to work out. So you have him, Talano Hufanga, and then wrap up as well, Richie Grant of UCF. Yeah, so Hufanga, he's 6'1", 215, uh, true junior coming up, and he is boxed through and through. Might even be, I mean, he might even be a linebacker, is, is the good news about him, is that I think he's <laughs> physical enough that he can play linebacker because he can't play deep safety in the NFL. Mm-hmm. I, I do not see him playing deep safety in the NFL. I just don't think he's fast enough. Like, I think he's like a four, mid four sixes guy. He just did not seem fast when asked to, you know, cover crossers, asked to cover ground. So uh, that's concerning, but I, I – they, they did play to his strengths. So he played a ton in the box for USC this past year. They realized that as well. Willing hitter, has some power to his game. Like I said, I'd like to see him just bulk up and really buy into linebacker as a whole. And to wrap it with Richie Grant, Richie Grant's the opposite. This dude is five, uh, I think six foot 194, but he can move. In terms of movement skills, speed, uh, he played more deep safety back in 2018. I think that's his role in the NFL. When he was able to, you know, when, when you saw him flip his hips and run with verticals, it was about as good as anyone in this class with his ability to do that. Just, there's no physicality to this guy's game. He's not a hitter. He gets dragged on every single tackle. They played him. They tried to play him a lot more in the slot this past season. I don't think that's where he's best. I, I truly just think he's – You got you to gotta tackle if you're in the slot. You got to exactly. tackle if you're yeah, in the I slot. Yeah, I just don't think that's who he is. He is just a guy who can cover ground on the back end, has good range, you're not going to worry about him there. Uh, and I'm not sure he's going to make a ton of plays on the football, but I think he is just like a guy that you can feel safe about as a deep safety. So I think he's actually, I, I like him as a prospect. He had six picks a couple of years ago and I was a fan of his. I think we even put him in the draft guide of preseason draft guide last year as one of the sleepers in the class. Obviously he came back to school. He's a redshirt senior this upcoming year. Uh, I am hoping for, a big year from him. I want to see him use more deep though, again, this year to see what he can do. I was thinking more about Talano Hufanga and thinking maybe he takes the Chaz Surratt route, try and play like line, like a full on linebacker, quarterback. <laughs> not quarterback, <laughs> not quarterback, take on full on linebacker route and be a full-time box player. All right. That's going to do it for the safety class overview. That's also the final class overview. And to finish the cherry on top, we are jumping to reigning Super Bowl champion Tyron Matthew interview. Before we go to that, Mike and I need you guys, need you guys to download, subscribe, and review. If you leave a good review about a story about how Mike Renner got his black eye, I might reward you with a PFF Edge or Elite subscription. If the story's good, I'll give it a shot. I was going to say, please. I don't think anyone's going to guess exactly what happened. If you <laughs> Maybe do, they will. If you do, we, we can read it on the air. Sounds fantastic. <laughs> Anyway, make sure you download, like, subscribe, review, whatever you can do, wherever you find your podcast, absolutely. But until then, Mike, Austin, let's jump to the Tyron Matthew interview. Joining the 2 for 1 Drafts podcast is none other than reigning Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs safety, Tyron Matthew. Tyron, it's great to have you on the pod. How are you doing? Thanks, fellas. Appreciate you guys having me. I'm doing great, actually. Of course, man. I mean, on this podcast, we're going over safety prospects entering the 2021 draft. Who better to bring on than the jack-of-all-trades himself, the guy who plays multiple positions, got caught playing slot corner, deep safety, strong safety. It's incredible, the the toolbox you bring to the table at Kansas City. The first thing I want to talk about is how did that happen? How did that happen to where going to Kansas City, obviously your first year there, and then 
having this role where you're playing so many different positions on the football field, was that planned all along or do you kind of fall into this Swiss Army knife role? Yeah, well, I think actually what, what really uh, brought me to KC was uh, really my interaction, you know, with Coach Spags, uh, Coach Reed. Um, those guys really believed in, in my skill set and my talent. And, you know, I think having guys that – having those two guys who, who've been able to coach, you know, and be around players like Brian Dawkins and, and um, you know, Eric Berry, you know, it gave me great hope for where I wanted to go with my career. Um, I had struggled with a couple injuries in Arizona – um, and then, you know, over the course of time, I was able to put together some healthy seasons. And so I, I felt like I was going to get back to who I was as a player. And, you know, Coach Reed and Coach Spags really, you know, they, they really sold me on that as well. And but, but really, initially, um, the, the, the plan was for me to just predominantly play safety, you know, mm-hmm. um, and to blitz off the weak side, different things like that. And I think as the season went on, um, I just started to kind of, you know, do it all. And I think Coach Spags embraced that. Uh, you know, we was having some pretty decent success defensively. So um, uh, I was able to kind of move around and, and I understood the defense as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you were kind of the you were kind of the OG, like versatile, do it all safety the, over the past decade. And you've seen guys now like Jamal Adams, Derwin James, and kind of even Isaiah Simmons to a degree come in and bring a similar skill set where they can line up anywhere on any given play and do anything you ask. But that there's been kind of this pushback around the league and you saw it in the draft this year with the way that people talked about Isaiah Simmons and that if a guy like that goes down, the fact that you have to carve out a role for a guy, maybe like you, like one of those guys. And if you go down, all of a sudden it brings a defense to its knees because the guy that's going to replace you is not going to be able to do what you do. He's going to be a liability if you ask him to do all those things. What are your thoughts on that sort of line of thinking of people sort of downplaying how much your versatility uh, adds to the football field? Yeah, well, you know, I think first and foremost, you know, I think any guy that's, you know, really able to to really line up all over the field, play multiple positions, uh, I think he brings great value, you know, to the scheme. You know, I think coaches appreciate that. Um, uh, like you mentioned, you know, I think the problem with, with playing multiple positions is not having other guys to, you know, play the other roles. And, you know, so what if, what if one guy goes down and, you know, so not a whole chemistry of the defense, the whole scheme, you know, seems to go away. And um, I think that's what people are, are ultimately scared of. To, uh, but, you know, I think most people should really embrace it, you know, um, kind of like Coach Spags did, in my opinion, this year. And, you know, that's to really, you know, center your defense around your playmakers, right? Like, kind of like the offense does. And, you know, um, you know who, who knows if people get hurt? You know, that, that, that's part of the business, you know what I mean? But I think the, the, the ability to do that, um, I, I think it, it, it brings this extra confidence to that player and, and it makes us feel like we're offensive players on defense. So, you know, I definitely would, you know, you know, egg on more people to, you know, embrace guys like Jamal Adams and, and begin to really, you know, center your defense around them. Yeah, that's my line of thinking too. It's like, that's your you know, fucking job as a DC is to adapt <laughs> your scheme to your players. It's like, if you can't do that, you're not a good DC. If one guy goes down and it brings you to your knees, you're not a good DC. So I, I'm in agreement there with you. Tyron, I, I know we can talk how, about how great you are probably this entire podcast, played over 300 snaps in slot, 200 snaps deep safety, 500 snaps in slot, whatever it was. But I want to talk about another safety on the Kansas City Chiefs, a guy that went down with injury, now going into his second year, Juan Thornhill. Guy looked very, very good to start his career in Kansas City. Looked very good at Virginia as well. A cornerback to safety convert. What's your opinion of Juan, and what are your expectations for him going into 2020? Well, yeah, I, uh, first and foremost, I expect him to, you know, be fully recovered, 
you know, from the knee injury. Um, and, and I think, you know, I've, I've, I've been fortunate to, to go through that twice. So, you know, he has somebody in the room that, that he can lean on and, and he can be confident, you know, about just coming back out there. But, you know, I, I felt like we put a lot on him as a rookie, you know, um, you know, uh, in terms of communicating, in terms of, you know, you know, playing off of me, you know, understanding, you know, you know, when to do certain things. And I felt like he progressed you know, really well, you know, as a season went along. And, and people were really able to see, you know, his playmaking ability. You know, he's a rangy kid. You know, he can run in the alley. You know, he can make tough tackles. Um, and, and like I mentioned, he could communicate really well. So I, I'm looking forward to him coming, you know, uh, and really embracing that and, you know, him being extra motivated because he, he wasn't a part of that, that playoff run with us. And so, you know, he's going to have that taste in his mouth. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to be good to see him kind of continue to develop you know, into that star-like, you know, safety position where he's, you know, one of the guys out there that, that people are watching to, to make big plays. Yeah. So we're uh, one of the biggest fans of the safety position in terms of people evaluating it around the NFL. We think it's our wins of the place. <laughs> top five, top five val- most valuable position in the NFL in terms of just all the positions uh, on the football field. But in terms of pay, it is a bottom three position. Only running back and tight end make less. Why do you think there is that discrepancy between how we value it, and I'm sure you think it's a very valuable position as well, and why the NFL is not paying quality safeties as much as they probably should? Well, you know, I think the game is really, you know, trending in the right direction. You know, whereas before, you know, either you played the post really well or you played the box really well. And, and that's kind of like that, that, that's what scouts look for, right? They, they were looking for a guy that could play the post center field. And then they look for a bigger body that could play the box. And I think nowadays, especially with colleges running all these spread offenses, you know, now you have cornerbacks that can play safety and nickelbacks that can play corner. So it's like, it's this big gumbo pot and, you know, it can get mixed up, but um, I, I, I love it. You know, I, I love the ability to, 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 to have the focus on me for, from, a, from a schematic standpoint. Um, and, and I think that's what these young kids are buying into. They're not looking at themselves as a corner. They're not looking at themselves as a safety. They're, they're, they're legitimately looking at themselves as a playmaker. And I, I think the more and more guys like us buy into that and, and you know, say that, um, I think coaches and, and media, I think everybody will start to see that, you know, those guys back there are really athletic. They can really – they can play they can play football you know <laughs> I love it I look at myself as a playmaker I want to expand on that a little bit you know on this podcast we talk a lot about rookies and draft prospects and what makes a good player at their respective position you speak to playmaking ability versatility obviously big in your boat what do you think makes an elite NFL safety is instincts range all these things kind of come together but I want to hear from you what you think is most important well yeah I think uh, I think first and foremost you know, you have to have the ability to, to really lift the guys around you. You know, I think, you know, it's not all about, you know, myself playing at a high level or Jamal Adams. You know, we have to find a way to lift the guys around us, right? Like, and I think that's true leadership. Um, that's you really making people better. And I think aside from that, you know, you have to be able to communicate really well, not only with your teammates, but with your coaches as well. You know, things happen fast during the course of a game, um, and you have to be the guy to see it all. You know, so I probably say those two things. And, you know, you have to be also be a guy that's, you know, able to, to play deep and play short, you know. So I think those are really uh, the three things I look for, you know, when I talk about a complete safety, you know, is can he do all those things? So jumping off of that, we, I brought this up before we got on, but we had one Twitter interaction 
over our entire lives here. I, I did. I went through in our draft guide this past season and color coded all the depth charts for the NFL. Uh, and I named the elite safeties in the NFL. Unfortunately, you weren't one of them. I think you took umbrage. Hand up. I regret not putting you in that. Put too much weight on the 2018 season. You were definitely elite this past year. But who I put in that conversation, who I had as the elite safeties, and I kept it tight. Derwin James, Jamal Adams, Earl Thomas, and Eddie Jackson. I want to hear who you would say are the elite safeties in the NFL today. Um, the elite safeties, um, I'd probably say, you know, Harrison Smith. Um, I'd probably say Derwin James, even though last year, you know, you know, he's coming off that injury. So, you know, I won't, I won't necessarily hold that against him. Um, obviously, Jamal Adams. Um, I think he – you know, the intensity he plays at is at a completely different level. You know, I think he's setting a new standard, you know, for the safety position. Um, you know, obviously, Eddie Jackson, you know, his ball hawking abilities probably be best cover for safety in the National Football League, period. And Harrison Smith is probably a close number two. But, yeah, Eddie, he, he, he's great at, at what he does. Um, and I'd probably say, you know, like, like Earl, Earl, too, even though Earl struggled a little bit um, in, in that system, um, you know, I think this year, you know, he's a savvy guy. You know, he watches a lot of film. He'll he'll understand what he what he can do, what he can't do next year. So I, I expect him to 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 really be motivated to to get back to the top of his game. And I probably say that's that's kind of you know who I look at as the guys that you know can really or possibly better you know better than me. I, I was gonna say I assume you're putting yourself in there as well. I, I would say. <laughs> Well, I don't really look at myself as a safety, you know. Okay, I, oh, fair, fair, fair enough. Each and every year when Coach asks, asks everybody to introduce themselves, I always introduce myself as a, as a DB. So, you know, I, I never, I don't get tied into that. You know, obviously I want to make everybody's list, you know, what are you talking yeah. about, one of those safeties or nickels, but I don't necessarily look at myself as either or. I kind of look at myself as a guy that can do it all. Your position is playmaker. Let's just call it that. Uh, I, have two, I have two questions. One, I want to hear about, you know, playing, you played a 10 in the slot, so you saw a lot of one-on-one matchups as well. I want to hear what one of the toughest matchups was this past year playing in Kansas City. And two, how important – you didn't bring this up. How important is it talking trash to wide receivers? I feel like at defensive back, you have to know how to talk some trash. How often are you chirping on the football field? Yeah, I, I'd probably say, you know, that, that that's part of my game. You know, especially the first series, first couple series, you know, filling the guy out, trying to get in his head you know, really trying to get him off his game. You know, I think that that's important. That's critical, you know, for me, you know, just being a competitor. Um, but I'd probably say, you know, the, the toughest matchup, you know, I had, you know, in the slot this year um, probably was Will Fuller, um, just, just having to cover him in the slot um, uh, a little bit in a regular season, but but mostly, you know, in that, in that postseason game. Um, he's slippery, man. I, I'm trying I've always tried to get an idea on, you know, what he's going to do and, um, but he's getting better and better. But he he was tough. I had to, I got one pi call on him. I had to hold him one time. He was like forty on me, fifty on me. But um, you know, I probably say that was that was probably you know the toughest matchup you know I had you know from a from a you know one on one standpoint this past season. I want to expand it. Not just this past year. I want to go back to college, high school, uh, any other year you're in the pros, toughest one-on-one matchup, maybe even practicing, maybe even like going up against Larry Fitzgerald or whatnot. Who was the toughest one-on-one matchup you've ever gone against at wide receiver? Yeah, well, yeah, that was tough because, you know, when, I, when, I, when I, I set out a whole year, you know, from LSU, and so I got drafted in the third round to the Cardinals, and 
You know, like my first practice, I had to go up against Fitz Joe. I, I haven't <laughs> practiced against anybody in like two years. And you know, so that was tough, but he he really got me ready to 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 really play some some good ball. Um I'll probably say another another time was, you know, every time we played the Falcons back in Arizona, um, Patrick would always travel with Julio Jones unless he went in a slot. And so, you know, we go in a slot. I'm like, yo, it's Julio. <laughs> <laughs> like, to me, he's still underrated. Like he's mm-hmm. he's 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 legit elite. You know, um, but he was he always he always made me sweat a little bit just because he had the ability to really catch a slant and take it to the house. And I think he's probably the most underrated deep threat in the NFL. Like he can really blow a top off a defense. So. I always worried about him, but I, I think Larry Fitzgerald really got me got me ready to, to play NFL you know, level. It's wild how much you know slot quarterback is becoming so much more important because guys like Julio Jones, Michael Thomas, Will Fuller, these guys are playing in the slot now to yeah. try and take advantage of some of these slot cornerbacks. Obviously not yourself, one of the elite DBs, playmakers in the NFL. I want to look a little bit more towards the immediate future. You're reigning Super Bowl champs, obviously looking to repeat in 2020, but – the elephant in the room, how much do you think this offseason with COVID and making things difficult to communicate with players and, and really get training camp into full swing, how much different do you think this season is going to be? What impact do you think COVID is going to have on this upcoming year? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, first of all, I think it's going to be extremely difficult. You know, um, you know, football is such a rhythm game, such a chemistry game, you know, right? You got to fall into this routine and the team that does that the quickest usually is going to get off to the to the, to the fastest run. Um, but you know, um, it's tough, man. Uh, you know, I think for me as a as a player who who really takes most of his game mental is you know how do I stay checked into football with so much going on in the world? You know, like how do I each and every day, you know, tell myself this is my job, this is football, I got to make these plays when it's like all this stuff that's going on in the world. So that's yeah. what I. That's what I worry about, especially from a leadership perspective, you know, is, you know, is my teammates going to be focused, right? Like, like, is there things outside of the building that's real, that's real things, you know, but is that going to affect, you know, what we're doing, you know, for our job? So, you know, I probably see it's going to be, you know, I think a lot of this is going to fall on, you know, coaches, you know, team administrations, you know, uh, team therapists, um, you know, locker room leaders, captains to really kind of, keep everything balanced, keep everything tight, keep everybody focused on what's in front of them um, and not, you know, really let them get distracted. But I feel like there's so much stuff going on in the world. I think the team that stays the, 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 the that they have the least distractions is really going to have the most success this year. Absolutely. Well said, man. Well, I hope you and yours can stay healthy throughout all this and you find a way to limit those distractions and focus on football, God willing, for sure. But really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Love what you said about Julio Jones. And you're definitely an elite safety. Mike takes it back, okay? You're an elite (laughs) safety. Mike didn't mean it initially. And we hope you get paid like some of the other top positions as well. But Tyron, we're going to have to get you on the podcast maybe later in the year, maybe on your way to another Super Bowl. But thanks again for coming on. Thanks, fellas. Anytime. Appreciate you. Absolutely. Yeah, later.